Lord, as we come before you, we thank you for uh, your word and your work in the world. We thank you, Father, for your spirit. We thank you, Father, that uh, we get to come before you and, uh, and be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Lord, please teach us today. Please lead us in what you want us to know. Uh, please lead us in the truth that wherever we believe uh, things that are wrong or false, that you'd correct us. Um, and pray that you would uh, help us to to learn how we can apply the truths that we know uh, into our lives and as we love each other. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, when, I was, uh, when I was candidating two years ago, was that two years? Two years ago or something, um, a common theme that came up a few times was uh, community. I know Charlie asked me about community. He, uh, he wanted me to tell him everything about it and everything that I thought. And I was like, I don't know, maybe I'll teach Sunday school on it one day. Um, and so I'm going to teach a Sunday school on it, uh, on, com- on community, about time, right? Well, it took me a long time because we're doing other things. Um, but I think uh, we're in a perfect position right now because we spent a lot of time talking about covenant theology and covenant theology flows into uh, community because the church is a covenant community. Um, and we'll talk about maybe what that means. Um, so the fact that we're a church and that we're a community is uh, important. And we all learned, I think, during COVID how important it is to have community in person with each other. Um, we all learned that we really missed not being around each other. Uh, we learned how important it was. Um, and I think it's just one of those things that, like, we we talk a lot about. We talk a lot about community. We talk a lot about what it's supposed to look like. Um, but we, we don't talk about what it is very much. And I think we can spend some time, first, building a foundation. Um, we're going to build a foundation uh, about the church. Uh, I have a few goals just for this series, however long it takes. I don't know how long this is going to take. This could be a couple months. This could be a, until June. Um, we'll find out. But my goals are we need to build a foundation. Uh, and first, that means we need to learn what the church is. Um, so what's the church, right? What, what the church, broadly speaking, is um, and what it means that we're a local church and that we're a covenant community church uh, and what community means. Um, and then as we learn what these things are, we'll try to learn how to apply these truths uh, to each other. Right. We'll learn to, how to apply the truths that we're learning uh, to each other, sitting next to each other in a pew. Um, so my goals are, first, let's build a foundation. Let's talk about what the church is, um, how the church comes about, all these things. And we've already done a lot of work because we did a lot of stuff in covenant theology um, because covenant theology is the foundation. That's the, the, those are the, that's the scaffolding that holds together our theology, holds together um, how we understand the church, how we understand our relationship to each other. Um, and then we'll talk about some, some more doctrines of the church, what it means that we're a church, uh, what it means to be in a church. Maybe we'll touch on denominations, maybe. Um, but it really is going to come down to uh, the fact that we as a body, as a covenant body, um, we don't make ourselves, we are made. And so that's going to be sort of like the the thesis, I guess, for today. Um, we, don't, we don't make ourselves into a church. We are made a church by God. So that's what we're going to start talking about today. Um, so we're talking about community, talking about church, what the church is. So I'm going to pitch the question to you guys. What is a church? 
or, or broadly speaking, right? Capital C church. What's the church? Matthew? Okay. Collection of God's people throughout time and space. Great. What else? It's the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts? His bride. Yeah, the church is Christ's bride. Charlie? Okay, holy nation, royal priesthood from Exodus. All those whom Christ has purchased with his blood. Mm hmm. So um, in Haggai 2, uh, the Lord says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Uh, in Haggai 2, he's, the Lord is, is offering a, a prophecy, a prediction of what he's going to do uh, in the new covenant where he's going to extend his kingdom not just from Israel, but now to the whole world. And people are going to come into God's house from every nation. Right? The whole world is going to experience uh, the Lord's gospel and going to be brought into his kingdom. Uh, Hebrews 12 picks up this theme and, and applies it to us living today in the new covenant, um, that we are the treasures of the nations who have been brought in to God's house. Um, so the church is, you know, to put some of these pieces together, the church is the gathering together that all the people have been brought in to God's kingdom uh, in the new covenant. So all those who have been brought into God's kingdom uh, in the new covenant, Jews and Gentiles, um, Scythians and Greeks, females, males, everybody right, who's been brought into uh, God's kingdom, into God's house. Um, so there's a lot of different pictures that scripture uses, right? Uh, you mentioned uh, that he's, the church is called Christ's Bride, um, sometimes called Christ's body, sometimes called a building. Uh, the church is a building. Uh, and we'll unpack these different images as we go along. But there's a couple of things to, to deal with first. First off, um, is every church then f- just filled with the, the regenerate? Is every church filled with the regenerate? So Reformation, you know, Westwood Baptist, the Roman Catholic Church, are these all filled with only the elect? So what does that mean? Okay. Okay, so so Steve said that Churches are flawed. Right? We're full of, of sinful people. There's sheep, and then there's wolves, there's wheat, and then there's tares or weeds. Um, so you see there's a distinction now between what we talk about the church broadly. We mean the elect. We mean all of God's true people who have been chosen throughout all time and space, as Matthew uh, told us earlier. But there's a distinction now between that church and a local church, which is a church that's rooted in a particular place at a particular time, 
right? So Reformation, we're rooted in Olympia in the year of our Lord, 2023, right? We're a local church. And so we are, we are a visible extension of the full body of Christ. The full body of Christ is, is expansive, huge, right? There's, there's who knows how many countless people in the body of Christ. We are one extension of that body in this particular time, in this particular place. And so as Reformed people, we've, we've typically talked about the visible versus the invisible church, um, and sometimes it makes it sound like there's two different churches. That's not true. There's, there's only one true church, and we're an extension of that. However, we are an Im- imperfect extension. Right? There, we are not a perfect replica. We're not a perfect part of, of Christ's body. Um, there are multiple things that affect that. Right? There are people in the, in the church who are, who are wolves, who are seeking to devour um, and to destroy. They're agents of the devil. And there are people who have simply heard the gospel. They responded with, with joy, but they will fall away at persecution. Right? We talked about this uh, when we talked about the new covenant um, and the visible invisible, which we've already talked about, um, that there are, the seed gets sown on shallow ground, the gospel is sown on shallow ground. Um, so just to be clear, right, there's no, there aren't two churches. There's one universal church, one church that encompasses all of God's people, from all ages, from all places, and Reformation is a local church. We're a local extension of that body. Um, and so what we talk about is a visible church is the, the covenant community that's made up of the professing believers and their children. The local church, or the visible church, is the covenant community that is made up of the professing believers and their children. So we, when we look around each other, at each other in our church today, we see professing believers, right, and their kids. Um, that's the local visible church. Does that make sense? Is that confusing? Is there any questions on that? Okay. So, what is the governing constitution of the church broadly? So capital C Church, the body of Christ, what's the governing constitution of that body? The Bible. Um, In particular, which covenant in the Bible governs us? The new covenant. The new covenant is the church as a whole, the body of Christ's governing constitution. Um, It's her founding document, so to speak. And it's her charter. So the the church is created by the new covenant, which means that if you are brought into the new covenant, you're brought into God's church broadly. Um, This means that outside of the body of Christ, there is no salvation. You cannot be separate from the body of Christ and be saved. You have to be united to Christ in his body. Um, that doesn't mean that you have to be a part of Reformation. That doesn't mean you have to have your membership in Reformation or you're not saved. That means that there are people who are outside of the visible church, of the local historical church, who are saved. But nobody is outside of the, of the broad, global, universal Catholic church. And Catholic, I mean universal. Um, there's nobody outside of that. You can't have salvation outside of that. Which means you can't go and, and follow another religion and find Christ. 
you have to go to Christ and be found in Christ and saved through Christ and by Christ, and that's it. So the new covenant, right, is is the our founding document. It's our constitution. So what the new covenant guides us and directs us and what the church is supposed to look like and how life is supposed to operate within the church. So if we want to talk about community or we want to talk about what it looks like to love one another, to exist in the same room, to have relationships with each other, we go to the new covenant. We go to what the Lord says in his word in the new covenant to find out what the church is, what the church is supposed to do, how we're supposed to live, what community looks like, how we're supposed to love one another. All these things are rooted in the new covenant, um, which means that you can't get around it. Or you can't bring in something else. You can't bring in your ideas of what it's supposed to look like. You can't bring in your ideals. Say, well, I think that church is really about um, having red carpets. That's, that's, if a church doesn't have red carpets, they're not a church. Right, that's kind of a dumb example, but it happens, and it's in much more subtle ways. Right? We say, well, you're not a church because you don't have Sunday school, or you're not a church because you, you don't meet twice a week, or you're, you're not doing your job as a church because you're not, you don't have a book table at the local, at the local college. Um, there are lots of ways that we bring in our ideals about what a church should look like, and we say, this is what it is. But we need to go back to Scripture to tell us what the church is, and then all those other things flow from that. Right? You could have a book table at the local college. You could have Sunday school. You could have two services. You could have one service. All these things are flowing from the new covenant, right? But it doesn't mean that your particular, one particular church, how they do a particular thing, apply a particular doctrine, that that's it. Right? That's the only way to do it. Um, and so we, we rightly, I think, believe that the, the body of church as a whole transcends denominational lines. It transcends local churches and their borders, right? We are, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, not just among each other, not just among the OPC, not just among reform circles. We're brothers and sisters with Baptists and with Lutherans. And there are even people in, in other churches, like the Roman Catholic Church, I, I believe, who who, are, who have faith in Jesus Christ. Um, and we're brothers and sisters with them. So the body of Christ as a whole is much broader and more expansive um, than, we, than we might believe. Um, so when we say the church is a covenant community, right, everything we do as a church is governed by what the new covenant tells us it should, we should be doing, what the church is. Um, which means that we are, um, it means a few things. The first is that means that the church is permanent. The church is permanent. Which means that as long as the new covenant endures, the church will endure. As long as the new covenant is in effect, the church exists and will not cease to exist. Um, And thankfully, as we know in Jeremiah 31, the new covenant cannot be broken. It will not stop existing. This, is, this was not true of the Mosaic covenant, right? The Mosaic covenant stopped existing. The charter of that particular 
you know, administration of the covenant of grace was broken and ceased. And so Israel, as God's people, was disbanded, exiled. And yet the Lord said, I'm going to bring in the remnant. I'm going to make a new covenant that will not be broken. And it's actually going to be better and bigger and more expansive and cover the whole globe and not just one small area in the Middle East. Because now the Gentiles are brought in, they're grafted into uh, Christ. So the body of Christ is, 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 is now more visible than it was. It's, it's more expansive than it was, and it's permanent. It's not going to go away. Um, local churches will come and go. Local churches will come and go. Uh, Reformation may not exist forever. Right? One day, Reformation may close their doors for one reason or another. Um, and yet, the body of Christ will continue. Right? The church will continue. No matter the ebb and flow of history, no matter what happens in history, uh, this is our, our grounding principle that this will exist forever. Um, and that means that uh, this community is more important than any other community. And it should be more important to us than any other community. We should value our church community higher than we do anything else. Not, not your citizenship, not your, your library membership, not your book club. Not, no, none other community should be as valuable and important to you as the church community because all those other communities will pass away. America will pass away. Uh, libraries will pass away. The church will not. So this means that the church is permanent. And it also means that um, we are created not by us. The church is not something that we create. The church is something that God has created. All right, so we're all here today, and it might be easy or tempting to think, well, we all decided that we're going to start a church in Olympia 17 years ago, um, and that's why there's a church today. Um, not necessarily. The church is created by God. Right? None of us saved ourselves. None of us decided one day that we're going to pursue God. We were pursued by God. We were saved by God and brought into his body. And by his grace, right now we have a local manifestation of that body of Christ that we're all a part of. Um, but we, we aren't here today because we decided it, that we're going to be Christians. We're here today because God decided we're going to be Christians. We're here because God decided we're going to be a body of Christ. And that also means that, you know, as a local church, our fate, we don't control it. If God decides the time is, is done for reformation as a church, as a local church, that's his will. But we continue by the grace of God. And so we are a community that is, that is created by and sustained by uh, and shaped by God. And we know what the Lord wants from us. We know what the Lord wants the church to look like and how we're to be shaped because we have his word. Right? The, the new covenant is the charter, and this is, this is everything that we work with. This is, our, this is our material. So everything that we are supposed to think, say, do, it is from God's word. So we are shaped by God's word. Um. Let's, let's talk a little bit about how the church as a community is, is distinct from other communities. So I've already said a few things. Um, one is that it's made by, by God, not man. 
Um, God says in Matthew 16, Jesus says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Christ is building his church. It's his church, he's building it. Um, but how else, how else is the church distinct from other communities? I'll ask you guys that question. How, else, how is the church distinct from other kinds of communities? Church broadly. What do you guys think? Brittany? There aren't very many organizations that are gathering of such diverse people, um, nationalities, mm-hmm. religious, um, social standing, ages. Yeah. Yeah, it is, the church is extremely diverse. Charlie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are the only community that has the the revealed word of God, the scriptures. How else is the church distinct? We don't get to decide whether we join or not. Yeah, we we don't get to decide whether we join or not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the head of the church is is Jesus Christ, not an elected leader, not a man, but God, the God man Jesus. Dave? We have a common mode for being here and participating, and that is to glorify God's Okay. So, yeah, that can be tainted by sin in some degree, but I think generally speaking, we are all motivated by the same thing to be here and worship God. Okay. We're all here for the same reason. Let me let me push back on that particular point. Um, say there's a, a community that gathers together because they really like Spider-Man comics. They all love Spider-Man comics. They're all there for the same reason. They have different motives. Um, some come for their own glory. Some come uh, because they need something from other people. Um, whereas I think that as we come to worship together, we don't come to gratify our own wants or needs. We come to glorify God. We come to worship Him. Okay. So... Dave's response is, we're not here to gratify our own needs, but we're here to glorify God. Okay, so let me, uh, Elaine. Yeah. Are you trying to tell me something, Elaine? Yeah, now we are united by the Spirit. Johnny? Okay. Yeah, we are, we are held accountable um, to each other and to uh, the Lord Jesus through his church, through the church leaders. Charlie? Yeah, we're the we're the only community that will endure, um, especially the only community that will endure the last the the final 
day of judgment. Um, everything else will fall away except for the church. Any other thoughts? So, I, f- I find that often in evangelical circles, maybe maybe even reform circles, that people think of church as sort of, they, they have a, a loose view of it. They have a kind of like a, it's a nice kind of fuzzy feeling kind of view of the church. We're all here because we love Jesus, right? That's what I've heard. I'm sure you've probably heard something similar. Church is, a church is just a gathering of people who love Jesus, Um. And there's common critiques of churches, right, that churches can be dogmatic, which means they, they can be restrictive. Uh, they can be stuffy, right? You don't want to go to a stuffy church. You want to go to your college and career group because it's much more vibrant. Uh, you don't want to go to your parents' church because it's filled with old people and old people smell weird. And so, Sorry, Elaine. And so I'm just kidding. You smell great. Um, but you want to go to a place where there's a bunch of young people, right? Where it's people your own age and they all look like you and they all talk like you and the message is directly to you at your age. Um, The problem is you're missing a lot of what is actually supposed to happen at church. Because if church is just about going, as Dave said, to gratify your own desires, that's not church. That's not community. Um, I was reading, uh, in preparation for this, I was reading Life Together by Bonhoeffer. He's a German theologian back in the, the 1900s. And he, he drew a distinction between human love and, and uh, true spiritual love. Human love can often look really good. I, Masha and I, we have neighbors, um, and they are incredibly generous people. And they are incredibly generous without any expectation of return. Right, it, just on the surface level, they give to us. They give us like smoked fish all the time, and they don't expect anything back. They don't ask for anything back. They don't get huffy if we don't give them anything back. They are sacrificial. They're kind. They're generous. Um, and in some ways, right, non-Christians can often outdo Christians in sacrificial acts. They can sometimes look like they're they're much more loving than Christians are. Unfortunately, um, however. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. So what Paul is saying is that you could do all the amazing sacrificial acts. You could even devote yourself to destruction for the sake of someone else, but without love, it's worthless. And you may say, well, that is love, right? What could be more loving than to to sacrifice for someone and to, to give yourself up for someone. But there's a difference between human love that sacrifices and divine love or, or um, Christian love. Because human love loves someone else for the sake of love. It's love is the object and the subject. It's, it's the reason for it. There's no, there's no objective, deeper reality driving the love if that makes sense. Um, Therefore, human love is ultimately about me. Even if I sacrifice myself for someone else, even if I offer myself up, even if I'm I'm devoted to someone, I'm devoted to Masha, 
and I, I pour love out for her. But if it's all about me at the end, about glorifying me, about me getting something from her, it's not really love. Um, human love wants to, to bind the other person to yourself. It wants direct contact with someone else, almost to like absorb the other person, to like cling to the other person. And nothing is allowed to come between you and that other person. Not even truth. Not even objective reality is allowed to come between you and the other person. That's human love. Um, so even though it may seem like it's, it's a serving kind of love, it's really about desiring. Desiring the other person. Desiring the other person's company. Desiring the other person's reciprocal love. Desiring the other person's devotion. But it does not actually serve. And so there's, there's two ways to, to see human love, this kind of worldly love, um, played out. And the first is that human love cannot tolerate the disillusion, the the um, the dissol- how do you say it, the dissolving of fellowship. Human love cannot tolerate the dissolving of fellowship. Above all else, human love cannot tolerate the relationship being dissolved. So even if that relationship is is rotten and fake, and superficial, it will seek to maintain that relationship at all costs, even if it's, it's rotten to the core. Um, there's words in, in modern psychology to talk about this kind of dynamic. Uh, I forget exactly how they talk about it, but it's where you, you depend upon the other person so much that even if they're abusive to you, right, you can't stand losing them. Um, that's, that's not... It's true love. That love is ultimately about yourself. So that's the first mark is that it can't can't tolerate the the dissolving of the fellowship. Um, And the second mark of of human love is that it cannot love an enemy. Human love cannot love an enemy. So any community that is defined by that kind of love will will not stand. It will implode. The reason is because people are sinful. And if you have a community defined by human love, as soon as you sin against me, two things will happen. Either I will stop loving you because now you're an enemy, or I will ignore it because I can't stand anything coming in the way between us. Not even your sin. I, I can't let that come between us. Yeah, Charlie? Is that Yeah. Sure. Yeah, it's defined by utility. Um, or you could say that's, that has to do with you know, not loving an enemy, not loving someone who doesn't serve you the way that you want them to serve you. Um, so any community that's defined by human love will implode because either the fellowship, we're going we're gonna to maintain it, even if it's rotten, even if it's disgusting and we're just 
and there's no real depth, no reality. It's all fake and superficial, and we're just smiling, even though we hate each other. Um, or we're going to break it apart because we can't love someone who's sinful. We can't love someone who's sinned against us. Conversely, true love, the true church, the, the community that Christ has created is defined by Christ's love for the church and not our love for Christ. The church community is defined by Christ's love for her and not the church's love for Christ. That means that the church is, like I said, permanent because the foundation, the thing that holding it together is not how well we love God and not how well, how well we love each other. The, founding, the, the foundation that holds us together is Christ's love. So in other words, Christian community is a reality and not an ideal. It exists whether we like it or not. And it exists for a purpose. Christ tells us what that purpose is. Christ defines the purpose. Christ defines the church. Um, And the Christian community just exists, and it will always exist, whether or not it looks how we want it to look. So this love, this Christian love, the Christ's love for us is love for an enemy and not love just purely for love's sake, not self-serving love, but pure, holy, undefiled, objective love. And so that when we come together as a church community, our goal is to be defined and to love each other with that same kind of love, to love each other as Christ has loved us, a, a love that loves an enemy. And also love that loves the truth more than we love the actual community that we have. Which means that if there's someone among our midst who is clearly not walking with the Lord, there are churches that would say, well, we just need to love that person. But in reality, what we need to say is we need to cut that off for the sake of truth. And because that's actually loving. That's true love. True love doesn't minimize sin. True love doesn't brush sin under the carpet, the rug. True love, um, true love loves an enemy and loves the truth and is, and does, and lets truth define our relationship. So there are churches in our, our day and age that don't practice church discipline. Uh, because that's not loving. But true love loves the truth and knows that it's actually more loving to discipline a sinner for the goal of restoring them than it is to let sin go. Uh, Proverbs talks about how if you reprimand a, a, a wise man, he will love you for it. Do it for a fool, right, and they'll hate you. But do it for a wise man, and they will love you. The goal is to discipline with the goal of restoration, and that will actually be a blessing to them, even if they don't receive it. So we're defined by Christ's love as a church community. We're, we're created and chartered by the new covenant, we're people of the word. Um, we are defined by Christ's love and not our own love for each other, not our common love for God. We're defined by Christ's love for us. Um, And we have a purpose. We exist for a purpose. Um, 
So the goal of the church, we only have a couple minutes. So uh, just very quickly, uh, Matthew 28, Jesus came and said to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Behold, I am always with you, even to the very end of the age. So the, uh, the goal of the church is to make disciples of the nations, to make disciples of people from every tribe and language and tongue. That's the goal of the church broadly. And so as a local church, our goal is to make disciples of Olympia, of people in Olympia and Thurston County and Lewis. Right? We have people from these different counties. Our goal is to make disciples. Our goal is to be a light to the nations to, in this particular area. And the way that we do it is the same way that it's always been done, teaching them the word of God. It's the word of God and it's the sacraments. The goal of the church, the purpose of the church is to make disciples through the preaching of the word and the administration of the sacraments. Distill down the purpose of the church. That's the goal. That is what the Lord says. Make disciples, baptize them, teach them. So that's what we are created to do. Um, So any church that loses the sacraments or loses the word or loses Christ's love, um, these are ways that the church crumbles and falls away. Right? And so we, we, that's our purpose. That's what we're here for. And when we come to worship, right, we don't come to, be, to worship because we decided today that, you know, it'd be a good idea to come worship God. Um, we come today because God called us. God has made us a church and we come to be shaped. Right? We come to sh- be shaped by God by the word of God and by the sacraments. Um, Charlie? Yeah, of course. Yeah, or even Abraham, right? You'll be, through you, you'll be a blessing to all the nations. Yeah, so any questions about what we just talked about? We talked about the church, founding document, this new covenant. We're a covenant community shaped by God's word, shaped by Christ's love and not human love. We're permanent. The other things that we talked about. No questions? Okay, so um, next week, we will start to unpack the different images that uh, the Bible uses to talk about the church. Um, I forget. I think we're going to talk about the church as a body uh, next week. So we'll talk about what, what it means that the church is a body, and we'll start to explore that a little bit. Um, but before we 
go to worship, let's pray and uh, ask God to bless it. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for how you have uh, drawn us out of the nations that you have gathered us together. Um, we come from many different places and backgrounds uh, and different, in so many ways, Lord, we are different from each other, and yet we're united by, by your love for us. We're united by your, your spirit holding us together, drawing us, shaping us, and molding us. Father, we ask that you would, uh, you would help us to keep uh, this in mind, that as we come to worship you, we would remember that we come not to, not to get anything from you, not because we are amazing. Uh, we come to be shaped by you, Lord. We come because we are sick and broken and needy, and we need the things that you offer us in the gospel. Father, thank you for drawing us. Thank you that it is all your work. Thank you, Lord, that you sustain us as a church. May you increase our fellowship. May you uh, discipline us where we go wrong. May you uh, remove from our hearts that worldly human love for each other and instead replace it with Christ's love so that we can love each other as Christ has loved us. Father, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.